It's Behind the Bots Time! From the Norwalk Havoc Studios in Norwalk, Connecticut, this is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind the bots. I'm Chris. I'm Luke. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kyle. And today on the podcast, our interview with Doom Captain Alejandro Pina. We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook at Behind the Bots and tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Time for this week's Combat Robotics News. I have three news items for you today. First up, catch live robot combat this week in Virginia, Texas, and Florida. In Virginia, they're fighting Antweights and Beetleweights at Hill City Robot Battle 5 this Saturday at the Virginia Episcopal School in Lynchburg. In Texas, they're fighting Fairyweights at TechFest Showdown this Saturday in downtown Houston. However, the major event this weekend is undoubtedly Robot Ruckus, Florida's biggest combat robotics competition and the only place on the East Coast to see heavyweights in action. As of Monday night, 97 robots had registered in antweights, beetleweights, 12-pounders, 30-pounders, 30-pound sportsmen, and heavyweight sportsmen. The event will take place Saturday and Sunday at the Orlando Maker Fair. This is a competition we've been to in the past. It's a lot of fun, so if you find yourself in Florida this weekend, don't miss it. And finally, speaking of heavyweights, BattleBots has crowned this season's winner of the Giant Nut. The show now begins the Herculean task of editing hundreds of hours of raw footage to put together BattleBots 7 for the Discovery Channel. It appears the show will begin airing in January. That's according to a new article out this week in the Las Vegas Review Journal. Now, that wasn't the only big news out this week uh, that the, the, the journal broke. Uh, according to the same article, BattleBots will launch its live show early next year and is currently looking for actors to fill in as builders. All right, I'm going to read here, quote, uh, BattleBots Destructathon opens February 3rd at BattleBox Arena at Caesars Entertainment Studios. Showtimes are 6 p.m. Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays with 3 p.m. matinees on Saturdays and noon on Sundays. Tickets are on sale November 14th. Prices range from $49 general admission with $150 family bundles to $125 VIP packages, where guests are allowed to view the robots and their teams up close before and after the show. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit in the article. It continues, quote, Executive producer Tom Gutridge is convinced the show will find its audience in Las Vegas. The theater show he and his team have developed differs from the championship tournament in that it does not graduate to a single winning team. The destruction is confined to a single 80-minute performance. Producers have issued a casting call for entertainers who can play the roles of combatants. From the posting, quote, You do not need to design robots, just act like you are competing. MCs and team members, male and female, are filling roles for the Vegas show. There will be five fights per night, with two costume team members per fight. The team members perform the walk-in, pretending to drive the robots, while the robots' actual drivers are at the commands. These actors react to the action, and the hired performers conduct interviews at the end of each fight, but the stars are the robots. If you don't already get to know Witch Doctor, Kraken, Mammoth, Lockjaw, Hypershock, and Whiplash, along with the host of new robots being specially created for the BattleBox Arena. There is a ton to unpack here. I would love to get your thoughts. Uh, this is our most complete look yet at this live show. To recap, five shows per week. Tickets will cost anywhere from 50 bucks to 150 bucks each. The show will be a little less than an hour and a half long with five fights per show. They're hiring actors to dress up and act like builders with the robots being driven and repaired by a small team that works on site. Tickets go on sale in mid-November. Uh, Want to pause here. Uh, positives, negatives, your gut reaction. Would you buy tickets to the live show? Would I buy tickets to the live show? Yes. Am I a super fan of combat robotics? Yes. If I was completely agnostic to combat robotics, I don't know. Interesting. Okay. I honestly see it uh, the opposite. I feel like a fan of combat robotics would find this Maybe a little um, trivial. Yeah, you know, a little. uh, I don't know what the right word is, but like for me, I see this as like 
the top of the funnel, uh, basically like a family that's in Vegas and they're like, all right, we have to bring the kids to something, but there's not a ton to do in Vegas. What can we do? Oh, this looks like robots. This is cool. Um, I think it, I think that it might actually, you know, pull in families, um, and, and I hope do a good job of that. But I think that, uh, based on what we're learning with like house spots and it's not a competition and it's a little bit more for show, I see it being less for fans of combat robotics and more for families off the street, which I'm not saying is a bad thing. Um, honestly, there's way more <laughs> families um, and just people in Las Vegas that don't know anything about BattleBots than who are super fans. So I don't know that it makes sense to cater it to super fans because um, you want to if you are going to have a live show six day, you know, six times a week, like you want to keep it broad. So it's it's interesting. That's how I'm uh, uh, framing it to myself is it's not for the fans. It's for new people that will hopefully become fans by coming to a show like this. That's interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> Kyle, your, your thoughts? Medieval Times makes money. I mean, it's uh, been a successful multi-city event for a long time, and it's simulated combat, and it's uh, storylines, and it's fun, and there's, you know, a lot to enjoy about it. This is pretty much the same thing, I, just, you know, with robots uh, instead of horses. Uh, I think that's great. From a you know animal rights perspective, from a <laughs> uh, introducing new people to combat robotics perspective, from all kinds of perspectives, you know what I mean? Like this is the, a net positive all the way around. I can see how combat robotics fans would be disappointed because we kind of hope that there would be just like this uh, full on weekly slugfest going on in Vegas where you could bring your bot and do whatever you want. I'm sure there's still going to be events like that. Um, it's just, that's not what the weekly show is going to be. That's not what the moneymaker is going to be. Medieval times also has roast chicken, boxed wine and a family fun zone. So it's like, there's still a lot of loose ends that BattleBots has to wrap their heads around to create a, like a comprehensive family experience. Because right now it's just a, it's a big tent in the desert with a box in it. True mm -hmm. story. If they start serving turkey legs though, dude, I am down. <laughs> What would be the robotic uh, equivalent of turkey legs? <laughs> Just a, a big jar of Soylent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, I, so yeah, like, I, I love medieval times. I've been to medieval times many times. And I think it's because, like, um, you know... They just go by colors. They don't go by, you know, this horse doesn't have a residency, you know, like this famous knight, you know, is it a, it's in a household name. I, I think, I think Lindsay, I mean, to your point, maybe that's the, re the direction they're going, you know, like sit in the red section and we're going to watch the red robot yeah. and we don't really care who comes out, you know, I think maybe, maybe we're looking at this too much from like a, um, well, the only person who can drive witch doctor is, you know, Mike and Andrea. And right. if it's not Mike and Andrea wearing the hats and coming out, you know, like um, five times a week, I'm going to be disappointed. But maybe the the Las Vegas gambling mouth breathers don't really care, you know? Yeah. Which like, doctor is just going to be the green robot? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's, that's all go it and is. Go sit in the green section. You get to have, I don't know, green drinks or whatever, you know? Um, yeah, it's I think I, I don't know, like. There's there's a couple things going for this show. BattleBots has amazing brand name recognition. They haven't done a great job of marketing. Let's just be real about that. So like they're gonna have to step up their marketing budget and their marketing skills exponentially. Mm -hmm. But that could be good for the show. You know, like if there's a ton of marketing spend in Vegas and you're having maybe a thousand people at a show watching this thing and just being like, I didn't know this even existed. Maybe they're more likely to tune in on discovery. Like that's a net positive. I do have like questions about, and I think it'd be cool too for the super fans to be like, Oh, malice is going to be in residency for the next two weeks at, um, in Vegas, like come down, you can meet bunny and like, you can meet the rest of the team. And like, they're, they're like genuine builders because they're taking some time off and, and like fighting the real robot. But 
and again, you know, like they're fighting house bots. Are they going to be super destructive? Is this going to be like just massive hex bugs where like different pieces of the robot are designed to pop off? You know, like are there just a bunch of pyrotechnics inside of the uh, box? Like what's the storyline? There's like all of these big questions that I have. Well, um, I think the interesting, it's interesting, right? That the article doesn't even mention that there will be fights outside of these house bots. Um, mm. But it is public knowledge. It's not a secret that they want to turn this into a ground for, you know, new bots or existing bots to come and fight as well. Um, and the idea is that the house bots and the quote unquote legitimate bots will never meet, right? They're not going to fight each other. Right. Um, the idea is that for two quote unquote legitimate bots will fight. And I imagine that will, you know, be kind of like the capstone of the event is like, here's this real fight. I mean, the audience may or may not know the difference. Um, but I think it's interesting that the, the article is not alluding to that because I think it expects the people reading the article to not even really know the difference. Um, which I think tells you a lot about, you know, the audience that they're trying to attract for this. But from, you know, what we've learned, you know, they want to have new bots come and use this as a testing ground so that they can show off, you know, what they're made of, what they can do. Um, and rather than the selection committee going off of CAD in an application video, now they can see, okay, what did you do when you came to Vegas? Um mm. But again, like those bots will fight each other and will not fight the house bots. Yeah. And that will and not I'm, be the main, if they're smart, that won't be the main event. Right. Yeah. yeah a lot of hiccups. If they're smart, that'll be like, hey, before we get started, some new competitors are going to try out their, their stuff. Actually, you know that's, I mean? a, that's a good point, Kyle. Yeah. I mean, they're going to have to play test it. And it's, here's the thing. It's like, this is the 250 pound weight class. And there's a world, um, there's a world championship, right? without a pipeline for 250 pound bots to get right. into the world championship. So yeah. Is it a good place to have like this, um, you know, uh, this landing pad for new ideas to go and, and, and bash it out? Yes. Uh, I don't know if BattleBots has really done their persona research to see who their audience is going to be in Vegas, because like, I don't know, is it a family thing? Are they catching, uh, you know, bachelor parties, like, is like, who, like, who is this for? And how are you catering to those? And how are you building content around those personas? Because like, you have, I think they have, you know, several months to really kind of figure some of these things out and see how these, um, how these house bots are going to work alongside of these kind of main event or even uh, kickoff event, uh, new, new bot concept fights and, it, it seems like a whole lot to wrap your head around and not a lot of runway. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I, I I'm, I'm like, I, I think like everybody, I'm a little concerned about the actors kind of aspect of this. Um, uh, and it's, it's weird that like, we're, we're blending a, um, a live show with, with a competition. I'm hoping that if I, if I ship my robot from New York to Las Vegas and I come out there for two weeks, like all of my expenses are going to be paid if I'm fighting and I'm going to get a portion of the ticket sales at the door so that at least I'm not, you know, out a bunch of cash. If I'm going to be setting up a, a residency in Vegas, if, if not, if it's pay your own way and you have to prove yourself, like, the sport just becomes even more inaccessible in that like it really is just for wealthy people who can afford to take mm -hmm. two weeks off of work, ship a robot by themselves, uh, put themselves up in a Las Vegas hotel for two weeks. Like, you know, um, I, I feel like I feel like this concept's been tried before, you know, like um, like Fuzzy had his his grill, you know, in Pennsylvania. And um, that was obviously on a smaller scale, but that closed you know, shortly after it opened, um, can, can BattleBots do it? Can they get their marketing engine in place to sell out, you know, the stands every single night? If they could, it'd be amazing. It'd probably be a hundred thousand dollars plus in revenue every single week if they could do that. Um, but 
I think it's a challenge. I mean, there's a lot of other really amazing shows in Vegas as well that are competing for 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 people's time and attention. So I think I'm going to buy tickets. Of course, I'm going to buy tickets. I want to go and see it. I'd love to be in this dance for one of the first shows. I think that'd be incredible. Um, and I am hopeful. I'm like really, really cautiously optimistic that this is going to be an amazing next step for, for BattleBots. And February is like the soft open, right? Like that's when they do like the preview shows. I don't know. That's a good question. I have no idea. Uh, it seems like uh, it seems like that's what the idea is. Like they're going to do the soft open preview shows, and then they're going to start doing like the real, the real stuff. Going to see those soft open, like them figuring out what works and what doesn't, might be the most fascinating part about all this. Mm, yeah. Any last thoughts about the live show? I hope it does well because I think the, the live show doing well means the TV show will do well. Sorry, there's barking dar- dogs. Barking dogs. I mean, <laughs> but yeah, I think um, you know the live show doing well means that the TV show will do well. I think at this point they're probably going to be uh, working hand in hand together. So yeah, I agree with that 100. percent I hope the live show does well, and um, even though it's not exactly what we all expected i think that this is a really good idea um and i think it's going to be a lot of fun i uh, i agree and i agree with watson as well um all right well that's it for this week's news after the break our interview with alejandro This week on the podcast, we have a very special first-time guest, Doom Captain Alejandro Pina. Alejandro is a rookie builder who spent more than a year designing and prototyping Doom, an articulated hammer saw mounted on a sloped armored body. Unfortunately, the bot didn't pass safety in time, and Doom did not compete in the main tournament for BattleBot 7. There was a lot of interest in the bot ahead of BattleBot 7, so we're catching up with Alejandro in the hour ahead to learn what happened and what he learned from the experience. So welcome to the show, Alejandro. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Um, Doom was one of the most anticipated robots, uh, new robots of the season. Uh, You had an incredible application video. There were a lot of people who were really excited about the robot. Um, It's a very complicated robot. It's a very complicated build, very complicated design, especially for a first-time builder. So just right off the bat, I want to congratulate you for attempting this. You know, it's really difficult to build a heavyweight as your first robot. And um, I think you're going to see like a lot of questions um, like that kind of excitement around your design and around your application reflected in the the questions from from the super fans. Um, So, yeah, really, really looking forward to uh, to learning more. When I took a look at your design, it kind of seemed like you had Shatter's Drive, right? You had kind of like yeah, the yeah. Ragnarok-esque, like sloped armor package, and then like a Sawblaze or Scopieros kind of style hammer saw, or I guess blacksmith from season six, right? You know, kind of putting these things together to build this really cool robot. You were saying that there's two versions of it. Like, did you have a version without OmniDrive? I mean, like, what what's the difference between the two the two versions? So the first the first version was uh, made to be for the application. So okay. I, I designed what I could with my knowledge at the time. I've talked to probably one other person who was on a team on another BattleBots team who didn't really know that much regardless. He didn't even go to the competition. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I, I, I had very limited knowledge of how to design a BattleBot, but I did my best with what I, with what I knew. And yeah. So I, I put a, I put all the I put everything I could in there. I put the Omni Drive oscillating hammer saw, a uh, very big hammer saw, mind you. It's a it's a lot bigger than Scorpios and Sawblades, and all the other hammer saws there are. Yeah, I was I was seeing in your like I was looking in your um, kind of like background materials on your website. Great job, by the way, of like um, documenting your build. That it was what like a uh, up to two foot long blade is that correct yeah the the i think the arm is oh, arm is at least two feet it's like it's thing is over it's almost 30 inches maybe got it and then the the spinner itself it could accommodate up to two foot diameter spinner but that's just that starts to get in the way of when you go down to the ground it hits the armor before it hits before it gets low to the ground enough to do right 
to be really effective. So I, I it's now a 20 inches, 20 inch. The largest blade I have for Doom is 20 inches. What's what's the weight on that that blade? You know, like kind of the the largest blade that you can accommodate. So 18 to 20 pounds, around there. Wow. Yeah. Um. I we so we got a bunch of listener questions, and I want to jump straight into them. Um. And let's start with like a couple questions about you and your team. So Horizon team member and that about super fan Mary Catherine Carr. Uh, she asks, tell us about your teammates and then tell us some fun facts about them and yourself. So like maybe we start with yourself. You're a uh, engineering student at Cal Poly Pomona in Southern California. Is that right? Um, yeah. And can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and then maybe a little bit more about your teammates? As a third year at Cal Poly Pomona, I've only spent one semester actually at the school. The first two years I was remote online. Uh, completely so i was just doing ge's online and then the second year i did one semester that was when i was making my application video and then the next semester i just took off to do BattleBots since i got in so so before that i was at high school uh this is where i learned most of my skills at uh, don bosco technical institute in rosemead california i learned uh, how to machine how to use CAD. You know, they give they give you the foundations to build upon. I, I I went there pretty much all lunch and as long as I can after school just to work on projects and stuff. Nice. So that, that's really where I got most of my uh, knowledge in the in the subject of robotics. Right. Yeah, you were. You were telling me that you and your team, um, you competed on on the uh, the school's first robotics team, um, and that's how you built your your BattleBots team as well. Kind of pulling from those those first robotics students. Um, how did how did you guys do at at first? And, you know, like did you compete all four years in high school? You know, um, and and how did, how did the school perform in those those competitions? So our FRC team, uh, not the best. I was only in it for the last for two years, my junior and senior year of high school. No, we didn't. We don't do very well in the competitions. I don't think we we've never been to worlds. We've never won a regional. So, you know, being a tech school and everything, we definitely have the resources to to win a regional and go to worlds. But for whatever reason, uh, we just don't have the the manpower to do so. You know, our, our robot is completely built by the students. The mentors help out, but not not too much. Got it. And even being a tech school, most of the kids there aren't really interested in engineering, believe it or not. It's mostly yeah, so there's only there's only so many kids that are interested in engineering. The school the school size is already so small. It's like hmm. it's like four hundred students, the whole school. So th- there aren't that many kids who, who could do FRC. Hmm. Yeah, so we, we didn't do very well and the first year or second year I was there. But I think I think uh, I think they're just we're just trying to get up there. Yeah. We have the resources to do it. We just need to to grow our team a bit more. Got it. Um, Mary has a couple follow up questions. Uh, do you have a favorite combat robot? Um, do you have a favorite battle bot? Probably Chomp. Chomp. Uh, Walker Chomp. Yeah. Walk, Walker Chomp is incredible. I like the ingenuity of the design. It's amazing. There's there's no other robot like it. Yeah. It's a uh, it's not just another vertical spinner. It's a, it's a big old walker with a big old hammer. Yeah, wa- Walker Chomp is really cool. Um, I, I can I can definitely see the kind of like um, Doom inspiration, you know, like with the hammer um, there. Um, Zoe Stevenson and Yasha Little, you know, like they both work as engineers in Southern California. Um, actually, Matt Vasquez from Whiplash, you know, recent Cal Poly Pomona grad. He actually works with them um, in at the same engineering firm, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, you know, like uh, I, I can. That's that's a that's a really great great answer. Um, Mary's last question: uh, What is your go-to snack when you're building robots? Do you have a go-to snack? Uh, I don't know. At BattleBots, they just have a lot of snacks laying around. Uh, when I'm when I'm not at BattleBots, though, I just I don't really snack on anything. I just drink water when I'm thirsty, <laughs> and I eat when I'm hungry. Yeah. Got it. Okay. 
We've got another question here from Doomba team member Christopher Chamberlain. Uh, I believe that Doomba was pretty close to you guys in the pits. Um, so he wants yeah, to Yeah, they were pitted right next to us. Yeah. Uh, Doomba wants, uh, Doomba's team member Christopher Chamberlain wants to know, what got you into BattleBots? Have you competed before? So like, what got you into BattleBots? Like, did you watch the show? Um, is that what inspired you to, uh, to apply and build? Yeah, so I, I saw the reboot when it came out. It was, once I saw it, it was just it was amazing. You know, the coolest thing I've ever seen. Of course, I want to do that. At the, at the time, I wasn't thinking I want to do that, but it, it, kept, it sparked my interest. So I, I kept watching it, of course. And eventually, down the line, I accumulated these skills in building uh, such, such, such things, other robots and whatnot. And I thought I could do BattleBots. So I applied after prototyping my design for a bit and got in somehow. Yeah. Um, Christopher's other question, have you competed before? Have you built other combat robots? No, I've never competed in any other, any other combat robotics or, or division. Got it. Um, you were telling me before we started recording that you're thinking about building a 30-pounder and um, competing in Southern California um, at a new 30-pounder box that is rumored to be being built. Um in 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 your area um do you think that if you build a 30 pounder it's going to be like an omni drive uh articulated hammer saw are you going to basically build a miniature doom or do you think you'd build something else i think it's a good platform for testing out new ideas the oscillation mechanism is a very interesting idea i'm not sure how many advantages it has over the conventional uh, mechanisms they use for hammer saws but that's a good platform for testing things so i think it's a good platform for testing the on um, oscillation linkage there's there's a lot of different mechanisms you could use for oscillation uh there's a the linkage of course there's also a double callus mechanism which is also another way of oscillating 180 degrees mm. i'm still trying to figure out which one's better right but yeah there's a, there's a lot of ways to do it um but i think 30 pounds you know it's 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 not it's not expensive i can just i can build it in my house i don't need to go to a machine shop it, it, it's it's just easier to do and it's faster, it's cheaper, so it's good for prototyping. So yeah, I want to test that. I want to test how to how to build and because mechanism wheels, you can't just buy mechanism wheels for BattleBots. You have to build your own or buy them and then customize them yourself. So that would be a good platform for testing that or even testing like a swerve drive. I've heard bad things about swerve and BattleBots, but I want to still want to try it. There's there's just a lot of ways. There's still more than one way to do it. So very cool, awesome. Um, Bloodsport team member Seth Schaefer who runs the very successful YouTube channel Just Cause Robotics wants to know it looks like Doom was designed entirely by yourself working alone which is quite the feat how many people did you involve in the construction process or have with you in the pits so how um, how big was your kind of support crew and did they help you with construction okay so every single thing that involves Doom every single thing leading up to the first week or so before BattleBots was all me. Mm. You know, of course, I got I got some help from uh, Martin Mason just pointing me in the right direction, giving me uh, good ideas or uh, like, you know, I have, of course, I have to talk to a lot of people just to know what kind of motors to use, what kind of electronics to use, what kind of what thicknesses of materials should be here and there. But you know, I've, did, I've done pretty much like 90, 99 percent of the work up to the first week or so before BattleBots. So yeah, I, I designed the robot in the application video. I made the application video. My team members in the application video, all they did was send me the their parts of the application video, like the little interview, just of themselves talking to the camera. I, I, it was COVID time, kind of. So I, I couldn't really right. collaborate. I didn't know too many people either. Yeah. Especially people who have the, the kind of skills you need to do this kind of thing. Yeah, I just did it myself. It's a huge, it's a huge like lift building a 250 pound combat robot. Um, yeah. I think that what, what you'll find is, and so like, I mean, I'm sure that you experienced this in the pits at BattleBots and we'll kind of ask a couple more questions about BattleBots a little bit later in the interview, but like, you know, it's a very welcoming and open community and like you kind of get plugged into your, your group when you start showing up to local competitions and you start looking inside of other people's robots and getting tips and stuff, you know, like there's a really robust community online. Obviously I know you found that, um, but like physically going to Martin Mason's events, you know, and like meeting Calvin Eba and meeting, you know, Tommy Wong and like these other just really big names, um, 
really big name builders in Southern California, just like totally accelerates your learning. Like it's really an incredible experience. Um, So yeah, like building that 30 pounder has like more than just kind of prototyping benefits. Like there's this huge community that you unlock to. um, And really the kind of, that's so important. Like that's why like local events, um, like the ones that Martin puts on are just so incredibly key to, you know, success. Um, So yeah, I'm looking forward to that, you know? That's one thing I'd wish I had known earlier because I didn't, mm. I didn't know how welcoming the community was, how organized they were until yeah. after I applied for BattleBots where I, I, like, mm-hmm. I went in that Discord server be out of the arena. Yeah, right. And all the, all the builders are just there. They're all just there. Right. So, and they're open to talk or whatever. Yeah, definitely. Give advice and whatnot. So, yeah, after talking to a lot of those people, I... I I decided I just have to redesign, completely redesign the robot. Interesting. Because, yeah. And that's what I did when, once I got accepted. Seth has a last question. Uh, he says, do you feel you ended up short on manpower or just short on time? Or were you short on both manpower and time? <laughs> uh, both. Definitely both. Um, as far as design design goes, uh, I, I think I think I'm going to keep doing that myself. Yeah. Just because it's, it's, for me, it's simpler that way. Don't yeah. want to overcomplicate that process. It doesn't take too long for me to design a battle bot, though I should have spent more time on it. I only spent two weeks actually designing the bot. Wow, really? Okay, cool. No, if I if I'd spent like a few months, that it would be a lot, a lot more fleshed out. But in the in the case of battle bots, the one I made for the application video, I designed that in in two weeks or so because I was just I was spending all my free time doing that. Mm. We've got a good question about free time from Andrew Kazmer, who builds Project Liftoff at Norokavik. And Andrew asks, how did you balance a summer internship and building Doom? Did that happen at the same time? Like, did you do a summer internship and like this year? I had a summer internship at uh, Raytheon Intelligence and Space in Santa Barbara. And it it wasn't a remote internship. It was in person. So I had to move over there for the summer. And I was supposed to find out if I had been accepted into BattleBots before summer started. That was like the time I was given to expect a, a call by. But they didn't actually call me until like two weeks before the internship was going to end. So I was at the internship. And then like uh, one of the last weeks of the internship, uh, Greg called me and said I was in BattleBots. So that got me excited. But also, I still have to spend two weeks in Santa Barbara. I still have to redesign my robot. Because I didn't want to spend time redesigning it if I wasn't going to be accepted. I was going to do other things. Still BattleBots related, but I was going to like develop my design a bit more first. Yeah, so it didn't get in the way too much. Um, I think it delayed the time I was able to start working on my BattleBot because I wanted to talk to Martin in person and show my design and everything before before I'm building it. I want to build it and then, it, then for it to like not work. Yeah. Uh, we've got a series of hard-hitting questions from BattleBots superfan Alexander Archer. Some of these get very close to breaking your NDA with BattleBots, so beware. Um, I'll kind of flag those once, uh, so I don't know. Maybe we could be diplomatic around those. Um, his first question, I think, doesn't break NDA, but he wants to know, what happened that you were unable to compete in the main competition? So, like, basically, why did Doom fail to pass safety in time? Okay, so we thought we were really, really close to passing safety in time, but we really weren't. There is still you know, more mechanical and electrical work to do. Just little, little stupid things every, every here and there. There's tons of little things that weren't into the design that needed to be figured out on the spot. Like just like one of the main things was the, belt, the belts were the wrong length. The belts we ordered were the wrong length, so we had to get new belts. And that took several days. So yeah, it, there's a lot, of, a lot of little things like that. Um, so yeah, but if we were just given like two more weeks to build the robot, I think we would have had a fully work in robot for battle bots, but yeah, you know, got to work with what we got. So I'm not, I'm not super disappointed. I, I just want to come back next year. Yeah. This year was, I, I knew it was just going to be like a more of a learning experience for me than actually competing and winning than that. that that's, that's something I'll do next year. Alexander's uh, has another question. This potentially might break NDA. I don't know if it will. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just being a little too cautious, but uh, Alexander asks, did an alternate replace you in the main competition? And if so, who was the alternate that replaced Doom? Yeah, well, he did. Uh, he did get swapped out, but uh, I'm not going to say who by who. Smart. You'll, Good. You'll find out in the TV or whatever. Got it. If they even say, they might, they might not even say. They might just say they're main competitor like everyone else. Right. Right. Um, but I, I like I'm I 
but our planet we did get swapped out for it was a really good really good decision they they deserved it mm. so cool alexander has another question uh why are omni wheels slowly becoming a popular choice of locomotion as we now have three bots in the main competition that use them so why do you like omni wheels why do you think they're becoming so popular they just they open up so many opportunities for strategy in the box everything moves so fast it all it's all everything happens in the blink of an eye so you know if you can move around weird the you can confuse the opponents you can do things that they're not expecting but the reason i didn't go with omni because it's still it's still in the early stages right there's no it's not there aren't omni wheels you can buy for battle bots you have to make your own i didn't have time for that that's why i didn't use them also i didn't use them because they lack traction and control mm. and you can't go super fast with them i wanted to go fast so yeah that's why i'm looking i'm looking into swerve now to see if that's a better option which i think it is it's just it's just complicated and a lot harder to integrate into a battle bot especially when you have a weight limit and everything it just makes everything so much more complicated. but i think it is the best option for battle bots mobility on wheels uh, final uh, hard-hitting question from Alexander. Uh, are you going to compete in BattleBots next year? And if so, what are you going to do to Doom that so that it can successfully pass safety? I'm definitely going to compete next year. Um, well, I'm going to try, of course. I'm going to reapply and everything. And cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to compete next year. I'm coming back. I mean, Doom Doom worked fine. We we had a a pretty good first bot ever made. You know, it wasn't. It's not a conventional design. It's, it's pretty unique in its own right. So yeah, there's no blueprint on how to make Doom. It's, it's just you got to figure it out. So we figured it out. I figured more things out than I did before. I, I've learned a lot. Okay, I've, I've learned a lot of things from building Doom. And I'm going to apply that knowledge to the next Doom. We're going to completely redesign it again. Mm. Maybe, a, maybe another time after that. We'll see. But... uh no, I have I have some secret plans for Doom, some radical design uh, changes. Yeah, I'll reveal those in the next application video. I'm gonna also start working on the robot a lot earlier. I'm gonna start working like now, or even just building the thirty pounder. I'm that's I'm starting work. I'm starting to work on the next design there. I'm I'm working on the next design as soon as possible. I'm gonna get an actual team together, like a good team. I'm gonna start a club at Cal like Mona. Awesome. You know. Or manpower. Yeah, cool. Um, moving on to a couple questions about uh, Doom's theming and its name. Mary Catherine Carr uh, writes, tell us more about the aesthetics and the theming of Doom. So, like, tell us more about your theme and um, kind of the thought that went into the theme. Okay, so there were a lot of names I had for, for the robot. I, I settled on Doom. You know, it's a simple, it's, sim- it's a simple, because it's, it's a simple word. It, you know, it, it's a simpler word with a lot of meaning. Uh, the game of Doom, of course, that's that wasn't a factor in deciding the name of the robot, but it was a factor in uh, branding it for the application video. You know, you look up Doom on Google Images, it's going to show you all the things related to the Doom video game, especially the logo. And it's very hard to make the word Doom look aesthetically appealing without using the Doom font. So I used, I didn't use the Doom font. I, I slightly changed it a bit just to, not be exactly the Doom font, but still, you know, it looks like the Doom video game logo for the application video, at least. And it's all themed after the video game, just because the video game, they did such a good job of theming around the other theming. So I just, I just, I, just, uh, I was heavily inspired by that in the application video. But after the application video, when I actually got accepted and everything, I didn't want to, I'm not even going to risk all that nonsense about copyright and all that. So I, I try to make it as, different as possible from that so got it you know different different font different aesthetic different everything it still looks like a mean robot but it's uh it's not it's not a doom robot it's not a doom video game robot anymore it's just doom got it got it yeah when when i when i saw the when i saw the application video and i saw the logo i'm thinking to myself you know uh when you actually get onto the show they're probably going to make you change the logo right like do they do they give you feedback and say like oh this is amazing this is really cool but you got to change it to like a different logo. Like uh... they never, they never said anything about that. Oh, Doomba. Okay. Doomba got away with using the Doom font. Right. I mean, I think, I think it would have, I think it would have been fine because they act, I looked it up. The actual, like the Doom logo isn't, it isn't copyrightable. Isn't like a, I, I, 
there's something about it's not being just using the Doom font alone. If the Doom font isn't uh, unique enough or something to be copyrightable, so mm. I mean, so, some weird legal thing like that. But I, I think it's I think it would have been fine. It's just that I went a bit too far by thinking the whole robot around Doom. Right. So yeah. I, I turned that dial all the way back. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, got some questions here about Doom's design. So we have Ryan Liu uh, has a question about prototyping. Uh, Ryan writes, you seem to value prototyping your design process. Did you face any unexpected challenges when scaling up to the full 250 pounds? Would you consider fielding any of your smaller designs in other competitions? Oh, you already answered that. Said you want to build a 30 pounder. But um, so, okay, Ryan's first question. Did you face any unexpected challenges when scaling up to the full heavyweight size? Well, when I was making the prototypes, the main thing I wanted to learn is just how how is one of the, how do I build one of these things? I didn't even know how the electronics for them worked at the beginning. So I so the first prototype was mainly just figuring out the electronics. You know, I, I made a robot, of course. I made a little 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 dumb hammer saw, but uh, you know, that's not going to apply too much to the two fifty pound robot just because it's so small and simple and has it's going to be it's not even it's a completely different kind of robot. But it was just to understand how how to build uh, BattleBots like things. You know, even though the prototype is very mm-hmm. far from the actual robot, I expected uh, I expected a pretty great challenge from building the two fifty pounds. It's just no, I, I expected, and I, I got a huge challenge, and it was very challenging all around. The prototypes didn't help too much. That was more of just it was just getting me in the zone. Like like uh, should it. Should the robot look like this? Like the second prototype was more about aesthetics. So looking back, I, I'm 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 glad I made that prototype so that the robot doesn't look a two fifty pound doesn't look like that. It was it was a bit kind of silly. It looked a little silly. Um, yeah, and the third prototype, I I think the prototypes helped me boost my confidence in building a BattleBot. Mm. You know, they don't they don't do much right. to teach me. They don't teach me very much about how to build a BattleBot, but they 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 boost my confidence about doing this. You know, I, I get bigger and more. <laughs> complicated prototypes along the line it, it, and then i'm gonna build a battle bot you know i want i want to have confidence when i'm going into this so and that, that was my way of dealing with it i sh- i should have competed in local competitions instead of doing that but i didn't know anything about that and i looked it up a few times the websites for them honestly aren't super helpful they're not they're not like super it's not super easy to find a competition especially right after covid or during covid yeah totally um, Matt Lantry, who runs the really successful four-bar lifter Fallout at Norwalk Havoc, wants to know, what did uh, the application committee think of all your smaller-scale prototypes of Doom? Did those prototypes help you get onto the show? Oh, yeah, that, that's a good point, actually. they I think they did. Uh, they didn't, uh, no one specifically told me that they were proved, but on the, on the BattleBots application, when you look at it, they want to see like if you've made any smaller versions of your robot, if you've competed in any other divisions, anything like that. So the prototypes helped for that with that for sure, but so did all the other things I've made over the years. Right. Like I've I've made right. other robots. I've I've made the FRC robots. I did the uh I made a robot for my high school that hands out diplomas for graduation. I made That's cool. a, I made a couple things. Um but yeah that definitely helped. Just doing other working on lots of projects all the time. I, I spend all my free time, or a lot of my free time working on things. Right now, all my free time is just going to the BattleBots. Or that, that's how it's been for the last few months. Right. So it's, right. I think it's going to stay like that. So. We, uh, we got questions here about design inspiration from both Ryder Angle and Michael Clements. So Ryder Angle writes, was the big wedge design inspired by any other bots? I have to ask because every time I see Doom, I think, quote, it's like if Beta was a hammer saw instead of just a hammer. Uh, and then Michael asked if um, the design was inspired by terahertz on Robot Wars. So, like, any design inspirations for the overall shape of Doom? Okay, so terahertz. I've never heard of that robot before. Let me just look it up really quick. Oh, uh, yeah, that looks, that looks like Beta. Is that like the? Oh, that's like the old Beta. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. Mm. So, um, yeah, Beta. I, I've the first time I saw Beta, I, I like. I just liked how it looked. You know, it looks. It looks. It's a really cool looking robot. And seeing it in person, that's definitely. It's it's even cooler in person. It's a really cool robot, but uh, you know, so that's a cool way to make a robot. So I wanted to make a cool robot, and it's de- my armor design is definitely inspired by Beta. It's not an exact copy. I it's more complex than Beta's armor uh, on the outside, at least. 
like it has more angles in it and stuff like that. Mm. I, I I did want to make like a very unique looking robot. You know, I don't want to make a box with a with a spinner on it like a lot of other robots are, and then just put some decals over it. Um, I wanted to make a robot that's actually shaped differently. Mm. So I, I like the pyramid. Pyramid is a the triangle is a very strong shape. And I wanted to stick with it, so right. I made a robot based around a, a triangular inner structure. And the armor for Doom, it went through a lot of iterations. It used to look more like Beta, but now it, it but from the, the latest iteration, does not look much like Beta at all. Right. If you put them next to each other, they don't look very similar. I think I even have a picture of them next to each other. They're, it's pretty different. Beta is actually a bit larger. Like the, the, the front armor on Beta is a bit larger than my armor. No, the beta's inspiration, but I didn't. I try. I did my best not to copy them. I don't want to copy anyone. I want this robot to be as original as possible, while still looking cool. So I went with a full three sixty degree slope design. Uh, we've got a good related question about the shape of your armor and the robot from Andrew Freetag, who wants to know. I'm curious about your thought process behind the geometry of Doom. You designed the chassis in a way that from every angle, it looks like your arm slash weapon can be easily accessed and damage destroyed. So like, for example, if you were facing off against a horizontal, like the horizontal can kind of ride up that triangle and hit your your weapon. Um, what were your countermeasures going to be to make sure that this didn't happen? Well, there were, there were uh, I didn't have enough time to implement these, like actually build them and put them on the robot, but. No, there there are um, on the first design of Doom. There are panels you can put on the sides of the robot to prevent them from climbing up the robot. Um, in the future, I have a different, a completely different solution for this, which I will reveal in the application video. But there's not too much protecting that. You know, the the structures that come out of the robot, those are inch thick aluminum. Those are already pretty beefy. You know, Endgame has inch thick aluminum as armor on their robot. So in certain places, yeah, it, it, the arm itself is very beefy. It's it's pretty. It can take a couple hits. So I, I was just relying on that. You know, don't just don't let them hit your arm. You know, uh, Scorpios and Sawblades both have uh, weaker arms than Doom, but they, they don't get hit too much because they just leave keep their arm out of the way of the other robots, at least from what I, I've seen. That's that's the thing with hammer saws. You want the arm to be very light, and I didn't make mine too light. I, mean, I, think, I don't think it's too heavy either, but no, it, uh, I, I wanted it to be the largest hammer saw, which it, mm. it kind of Got it. Um, we've got a couple questions about your linkages um, from Andrew Kasmer. Andrew Kasmer wants to know, when designing the linkage for Doom, did you analyze the forces on the links and the joints throughout the rotation? And what tools did you use for mechanism analysis? I didn't do any, like, I didn't analyze much. You know, I, I built the thing, I built the linkage, and I, I, I observed that it was very unstable. Like, certain parts were just bending it was, it was a 3d printed linkage so it like anywhere where it was 3d printed it would just bend like certain places it would just bend instead of working i made one out of metal and that one but it was still held together by 3d printed parts so the 3d printed parts broke when i turned it on there's a video of that on my website um that was a mark three prototype but it, it works it definitely works i think if i make it completely out of metal uh just very strong structure i think it'll work fine but i've i've explored other uh, ways to do it so the double callus mechanism is kind of like a cam so there's like a slot with the it i, I don't want to explain it but um yeah that, that's another way to do it i'll probably explore that other option in the 30 pound design got it cool um alex pick from northeastern's combat robotics team wants to know how does doom drive its weapon with the linkage system in the way it's not in the way. It's it's uh okay. Yeah, it's it's very close, but it's not in the way. There you go, Alex. Uh, uh, the, the spinner, the spinner. Uh, it, it's tricky to get the spinner motor inside the robot versus on the arm. So the easy solution is just to put the, the motor on the arm. That works, but it's not it's not elegant. It, it does it does work, and it's actually less weight overall. So you don't have to spend as much weight making the mounting the motor inside the robot than running two sets of belts to the middle of the arm, the arm rotation axis, and then to, from there to the spinner axis. But yeah, no, that, that's not a problem. It just, it just, it takes some figuring out to make sure everything, nothing conflicts with anything else, but you know, it, it works. Right. Um, 
Final question about the bots design from Alex. Um, how much of a difference does the linkage system make? There are certain things about it that are advantageous, uh, but it, it's hard to take in the heat of a BattleBots match. It's hard to take advantage of the advantages of it. I think I think mainly it's just easier to control than an arm. You don't have to come constantly. With Doom, it's a completely symmetrical design. So it when you're driving forward or backwards, it's like it's like the same thing. It's 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 really weird to drive. And with an oscillation linkage, all you have to do instead of going back and forth on the controller, you just go forward and it it does it automatically. Which I think is just it's just simpler to control. And uh, there's other little advantages that I forgot what they were because I have not thought about the oscillation linkage for quite a while now. But yeah, I think that's the main one. Just easier control of the arm. Got it. Cool. Um, moving on to a couple questions about your experience at BattleBots. So, like specifically in the last two weeks, you know, of your life, <laughs> uh, you know, your your experience. Wait, 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 oh, wait. I have I have an I have an initial thing to throw in for that last the oscillation linkage. Good. Okay. Good. Yes. Also, when it oscillates, you don't need weapon stops. So, the arm automatically goes back with without any weapon stops. So it could be free. It's not going to hit the floor unless the whole robot's tilted over. Um, it's it's safe. It's a safe mechanism. It's a uh, the arm has like it's mechanically limited within the linkage as to how where to where the arm can move, and it does have more failure points, but most of those are inside the robot, so it's not so exposed. But you know, I, this is I I have a question. So answers to a lot of these questions are just uh, you know build it and test it and fight with it and see what see how it works. Right. So that's what I'm going to do with a thirty pound. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so yeah, moving on to questions about your experience at BattleBots. Um, so we have a question from Shift Cat Drill, um, and uh, this person has a hypothetical: If you had passed safety in time, which robot would you have wanted to fight the most at BattleBots? At BattleBots, they had like a I don't want to get I don't know, know this NDA breaking. Um, Did you have like somebody who you're hoping to fight? You know, hoping just hoping to fight. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, not really. I just wanted to fight. That's that's the feeling I had. But maybe yeah. you know, I want to fight all the robots. Of course, I'll, I'll fight any robot. Any fighting any robot is is awesome. They're, all the robots there are just awesome. I want to fight any of them. So yeah, and any robot. You know, when you get there and you have the competition, you have you appreciate what everyone there is doing. Yeah, and you know, everyone's coming there with a robot, right? To fight with, and I'm open to fighting anyone, no matter how experienced they are or whatnot. I'm not scared of my robot being destroyed. If it does get destroyed, oh well, that's what they're for. That's that's what it's made to do. So yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, maybe you know. Maybe just to start off. Maybe yeah. Of course, like a, another rookie would be appropriate. Yeah. But as to like me actually wanting to fight other robots, I want to fight everyone and demolish every other robot that comes in my way. So that's the that's the goal. Anyways, there isn't any specific robot I have a grudge against. Got it. Um, Matt Lantry wants to know, hypothetically, if you had passed safety, taking a look at all of your competition, what do you think your ending record would have been in the main competition? Like, let's say, because I, I know that the all the main bots, they were guaranteed four fights. So do you think you would have gone 4-0? think you would have gone 1-3, 2-2, you know? Um, when I was there, I was just, I'm I'm just thinking of how many fights I can survive. Yeah. I have one robot. Right. There's only one Doom. There aren't, there aren't two of them. There's just one. We have one robot and a few spare parts for a few parts of the robot. And a lot of our spare electronics actually got destroyed just testing the robot or firing the robot. Uh, mm. I wasn't doing a lot of the electronics and control system stuff. That was that was Josh. He's a, He was on the FRC team in high school. He's really good with that kind of stuff. So I let him do it. But yeah, no, one of the batteries they gave us were just dead. It, it had missing cells, so it didn't work. But we didn't have time to refund it and get a new one because there's just not enough time to ship it. Mm. So it's really not what I'm thinking about. I don't really care what kind of record I get. I just want to survive four fights. Um, but if, if I had to guess, maybe win loss, probably one and three or two and two. There's a lot of we, we barely got Doom built. If if Doom was like if I if I had more time, that would be a different answer. I'd have a different answer for that. Yeah. Just you give me more time, I'm going to make a better robot. There's just there's so many things to do. Uh, at just to, we, all we wanted to do was get Doom working, get all the systems working to fight, and 
that does not include a lot of things like wedges. We had no wedges or any ground game of any sort. So that's that's something a lot of robots just completely take advantage of. We didn't have any countermeasures for a lot of types of robots like or, or any kind of robots. We just had the, the sloped armor and that was it. But still, the sloped armor alone, is it's, it's effective. I'll say that much. Uh, we've got a potentially NDA-breaking question from Kokoto Mane, who runs Serial Killer at Norwalk Havoc, so beware here, Alejandro. Um, Kokoto asks, even though you weren't able to compete in the main tournament, were you at least able to fight in BattleBots Champions or in any other exhibition matches? We did fight. Nice. I, I cannot disclose where we fight, when we fight, how we fight, but we did fight. We, we fought. Good. And Good. It was, it was great. Uh, Eric Shao, who runs Revolver at Norwalk Havoc, writes, do you have any fresh ideas you might want to implement on Doom after visiting Vegas and getting a glimpse at the rest of the field spot? So did you get a chance to walk around in the pits? Did you look inside of other robots? Did you get any fresh ideas um, from looking at the, the, the robots? Yeah, I, I took some pictures here and there, especially I think the main thing that was bad about Doom was, were the electronics. We, I, we had no plans for mounting electronics. There were some like empty pockets in the robot, which is which had enough space for the electronics, but there wasn't any there weren't any like 3D printed mounts or anything. I didn't, I wasn't I wasn't concerned with that, and I really should have been because that's a really serious oversight. Um, yeah, so when I, when I saw everyone else's robots, you know, a lot of teams they have their electronics really nicely packaged up, very neat. Uh, Doom's electronics are not very neat; they're just kind of just they're improvised, right? You get there on competition. We have to, or we wired everything up before competition. We had, we were able to drive before competition, not super well, but we were, we were moving. Um, yeah, I should have, I really should have spent time making some good electronics mm-hmm. housings and whatnot. Cause yeah, there's just, there's so many little loose wires in there. It's so easy to just bang the robot in a certain way. And then some little wire gets disconnected. Yeah. That happened a lot during testing. So that's. Yeah. That's so true. I mean, um, I, I I know like I, I've seen the inside of Death Roll. I've seen the inside of Endgame, seen the inside of Duck. Um, you take a look at like Blood Witch Sport. Doctor, Bloodsport. Yeah. Um, Bloodsport is a masterclass in that. But they're, they're, the inside of the robot is so neat. Yes. It's, it's like the neatest inside. Yeah, yeah. And especially when when you see like, not only have I created a channel for this particular battery, I know exactly the size of the battery and the length of the wire that's coming from the battery and all of that. But like, it's also shock mounted, you know, like it's got a little bit of foam around it. Um, And, you know, like when you take a look at super durable robots like duck, um, or death roll, you know, a lot of that durability comes from just really efficient use of space inside of the robot. It's pretty amazing when you actually see it. Um, and it's not the case for all robots that are in the pits. You know, there are some robots where it's just this big mess of wires and kind of taking apart the whole thing, kind of diagnosing problems is, is also a huge challenge. Um, but yeah, that's, that's one of those really kind of crucial design things that I'm so impressed by when I see, um, I was I was looking inside of Endgame and I was like, well, oh my, like this is it's gorgeous. It looks like a little like maze, you know, <laughs> like when you look at it from the top. Um, yeah, yeah, just because like that, uh, they they've thought those things out so so really well, um, and that's you know probably probably why they're they're such a good robot, you know. Mechanically, the robot was pretty much on par with most other robots. Um, everything, you know, the, the aluminum's beefy, or not every. The materials are the right thickness and everything. You know, that's all that's all stuff I got from advice with talking to other builders about that kind of stuff. The main thing I noticed with other robots that we didn't have is a, like good electronics mounting. That was that's the main thing. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, Doom team member Christopher Chamberlain wants to know what was the game that you were playing in the pits? I guess he looked over into your pits and saw you playing a game. Oh, I'll play Doom. Yeah. Playing Doom. <laughs> good. Um, and then Doom Eternal. Doom Eternal. Good. Great game. Nice. Um, and this might be a slightly self-serving question, but he says, how were your pitmates? Now, Doomba was your pitmate. So how was it working next to Doomba? Oh, they were great. They were great. Um, they, on like the first or second day, they, they bought us a table and a whiteboard from Walmart and, and delivered it to our pits. So that, that was very nice of them. Mm. And uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're chill. Um, 
I think the main reason they pitted us next to each other is because when, when we get packages delivered from uh, McMaster or Amazon, they the they get really confused on what team it, the package is for, either Doom or Doomba. <laughs> like they, they they write Doomba right. on the, on our packages. I think they they just wrote Doomba on all the all the packages that had Doom in the name, and so they all went to Doomba, and then they they gave us our packages from Doomba. So yeah, yeah. It's uh, I think I think being pitted against. I don't think there are any bad pitmates to have at Battlefront. I think everyone's very helpful and nice. We got help from a lot of teams yeah. all over the pit. So. Right, right. Yeah, and Dubu is definitely one of them. Uh, we've got one final question before we wrap up this interview, and this comes from Horizon team member and BattleBot superfan Mary Catherine Carr. She wants to know, what was the best thing that you learned from your time at BattleBots? What, what it's like to be at BattleBots. I had all the, you know, I, I, I didn't think too much about what it was going to be like. I had no idea what it was going to be like. And now I know what it's like. And I want to do it more. I want to keep doing it for years to come. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Alejandro, I want to thank you so much for talking with us. Um, and congratulations on completing your first season. You know, the first season for anybody is tough. And you know, Doom is already like a very ambitious design. So much time and thought and energy went into the design. You can really see that. And you worked incredibly hard to get a robot that was working by uh, by the second week of BattleBots. And like, as you said, you had at least one fight. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing that fight. And um, really hope to see you at a local competition. Hope to see you on BattleBots again soon. And I hope that we are talking next as you're hoisting the giant nut over your head, you know, sometime in the future. Right. All right. Cool. Well, thank you so much. After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of robots around the world. Welcome back from the break time for robots around the world. This week, we're traveling to Boston where researchers at Harvard university have developed a robot that can pick up fragile and irregularly shaped objects using a mass of rubber tentacles. Unlike other types of robotic fingers, these tentacles don't have sensors embedded in them. Instead, they work by draping tentacles over an object and then inflating the tentacles so they curl up and snaring the object. Hmm. The researchers say this system can pick up virtually anything for really heavy objects, you just need more tentacles. More tentacles. More tentacles is what I always say when I look at my robots. <laughs> for thoughts on this robots around the world, I'm going to defer to Luke. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are talking about. I feel like tentacles are pretty normal. And if you want to pick up, say, human bodies, you just have to get more tentacles and bigger tentacles. More bigger tentacles. Yeah, totally. Uh, More bigger tentacles. The the video of this robot is truly haunting. Um, just, you know, like, they can pick up larger and larger objects, and it just drapes these tentacles just like, like a mop over the object. There's no sensors at all in the tentacles. You know how, like, um, you think of kind of a robot hand, like, I don't know, the T-1000 hand or whatever. There's all sorts of sensors. No, I want to crush, you know, somebody somebody's windpipe. You know, I'm going to exert more force using my sensors. This is just completely dumb tentacles and they just add more and more, you know, uh, if they want to lift heavier objects. I think you could probably pick up a car with enough tentacles, uh, which is just very, very interesting. It's fascinating, you know? That's what I'm trying to use tentacles for, lifting cars. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. That seems yeah. like the right move. Now, what if the inflation doesn't stop when it's supposed to? And like, let's say it's trying to rescue a cat from a tree. Yeah, but the inflation mm-hmm. just continues until it it pops the cat. Like, no, what's the safeguard for that? Well, the individual tentacle like is very weak, so, and it's really only through the use of maybe fifty or sixty tentacles that you could pick up a a live cat. You know, and each one of these tentacles they're fully inflated, and then you carry the cat over to where you want to put it, and then you kind of lower the arm down and then you release the tentacles and the cat pops out, you know, like uh, there's never enough force from any single tentacle to uh, say explode a cat. Hmm. Right. But there's still, that's, that still belies a safety mechanism. Yeah. Kyle, don't, 
Kyle, don't, don't you ever like kind of just, just close your eyes and just wish that you could just be picked up by about a, a thousand tentacles, you know? Nope. Nope. Never had that wish. Never you know, had that just, wish. Yeah, you know, you're just li- li- lying in bed and, you know, just this huge, just massive tentacles just comes over, just, just drapes over your entire body. I don't like this. Yeah. And then there's just this, this inflation, you know, like inside of the tentacles and then just lifts you up. Yeah. Like a really big hug. Huge. Yeah. Nope. Never had that Just one. like almost a suffocation, like a suffocation, uh, but also with the tentacles, you know? You, you don't think right. about that ever? Yes. No. This is why I defer to Luke on these nope. kind of things. Yeah, he's obviously the expert. But I mean, you know, like, it's just, just the, the mass just coming over you, just, just thousands of tentacles, you know? Sure. And that's about it for us today. We'll be back in your feed next week with another mystery guest. We'll see you then, folks. Sorry. Thanks, Nicole, for editing. (laughs) Sorry. Bye. 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 Sorry. There once was a bot who's from the sea. The name of the bot was the Kraken of Teeth. The lights went up, the buzzer sounds, although my scaly girl goes. Soon may the spinner man come to knock her teeth right from her gums. One day when the fighting is done, she'll take her teeth and go. She'd not been two weeks from shore When out did come her metal jaw The captain called all hands and swore He'd take that spinner in tow Soon may the spinner man come To knock her teeth right from her gums One day when the fighting is done She'll take her